if I can if I can put the people first, I can promise you what I'm going to communicate is going to do really well. Mm. But if I put me first or the content first, it's not going to sell like it needs to. It's not going to connect like it should. Well, get ready. The interview today is going to be incredibly helpful to you. We're talking to John Maxwell, arguably the number one leadership expert in the world, author of over 100 books. Three of his books sold over a million copies. The new one we're talking about today is The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. Incredible book. Apply these laws and make the most of your message. Before we go to the interview, I wanted to say a big thank you to our community. If you're watching online, drop it in the comment section. Tell us where you're watching from. And thank you so much for sharing all over social media. It makes a world of difference to invite others to be a part of our community. I want to work really, really hard to bring you content that helps you grow in your leadership and inviting others to be a part is a gift to me. Also, I want to tell you, you do want to get the leader guide. We've got detailed uh, communication, additional content, questions to help you go over with your team. I promise you it's worth it. Go to life.church slash leadership podcast life.church slash leadership podcast. And when we drop an episode, we will give you the leader guide each time. Uh, Get ready to take notes, get ready to grow. We're going to go now to a very helpful interview with my good friend, John Maxwell. Well, John, welcome back to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. So glad to be with you, my friend. So glad. Man, I am always excited about every minute that we get together, but I think I'm a little bit more excited than my normal excited because today we get to talk about your new book, The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. Apply them and make the most of your message. I just want to say on a personal note, like thank you sincerely for your years and years of investment in leaders. I've been learning from you for gosh, probably close to 30 years. And thank you for this book. This is uh, one of the most important subjects for leaders. And so thank you for your investment in us. It's my joy. It really is. You know, it's my fourth laws book, Craig. Yep. Wrote uh, 21 Laws of Leadership. Remember, we did a podcast on that. We did. We did. Yeah. Then then I did a 17 Laws of Teamwork, 15 Laws of Personal Growth, and then 16 Laws of Communication. And, uh, It'll probably be my last, quote, laws book, because that takes, I think it takes a different level. But the the four books I've written on laws have been things that I'm real passionate about, that I just feel have been essential in my life. And so hopefully it'll help all of your listeners and, and, and make them better communicators. That's that's what we want, isn't it? It, it will, and, and it is what we do want. And I, I'd love to start, and then we'll kind of get into um, some of the, the 16 laws. But John, I know we've got leaders in all different fields with all different span and scope of gifts. How important would you say communication is, good communication, to be a very effective leader? It's the most important skill hmm. that you could have. If, if a person came and said, okay, I, I can do, I, I can really get and master one skill, John, which one do you want me to master? I'd say communication. And the reason is because we communicate every day. I mean, right. Uh, communication isn't just being on stage speaking to thousands of people. Communication is one-on-one across the table with your spouse or with your children. Uh, it's, it's talking to a few friends when you're trying to kind of can figure out where you're going to go next. So every day we communicate. Every day we try to get our ideas across. Every day we try to persuade people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every day we learn from people. So communication is everything. And, and Warren Buffett said, I mean, he's known for the financial guru, but Warren said, as you know, that if you could develop communication skills, he called it the most important skill to develop, that you could increase your uh, worth, net worth, probably 50%. Hmm. So here's a guy that deals with finances, but he knows his ability to connect and communicate those finances to people, his team, uh, companies that he's investing in. He just understands that communication is the key. So... Hmm. If you and I can connect well through communicating with people, we're going to do well, that's for sure. Right. So if it's the most important skill in leadership, and let's say I'm not good at it at all, how much trouble am I in? How, how, how <laughs> can, can we learn? And then we'll talk about how we learn. 
Yeah, well, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're just in trouble. Uh, but the good news is you can learn communication skills. The, the, honestly, I'm not sure I would ever write a book or teach anything that a person can't learn. Gotcha. Years ago, I, I kind of crossed that bridge, and, and I said to myself, why would I ever put something out there that's truly wonderful that a person can't have? It, mm -hmm. it just doesn't seem fair or right. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about communication, uh, a person can learn how to connect and communicate. And it's, it's, it's like any other skill. You have to uh, practice it. You have to uh, know how to practice well. And, and you have to be able to, de to develop it. But you can. And uh, in the book, I mean, I talk about one of the laws is the law of observation. Mm -hmm. and, and the law of observation just says good communicators observe great communicators. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Craig, I spent, I spent a good 20 years of my earlier communication life just watching and listening to great communicators. And uh, I, I realized that it, it was not so much what they said, but how they did it. Mm. And so I would, I would watch, you know, what, what made that, what made that talk effective mm -hmm. or what, and a lot of times, what, why wasn't it effective? What, you know, why did it not fly? And I kept looking for the why in, in communication. I just observed and observed and, and I saw that, I saw that communicators were very different. The good ones, the good, I mean, they're very different personalities, different styles. So I very quickly realized it's not a certain style of speaking, certain personality. But, but the one thing I knew about the great communicators is they all connected. Mm -hmm. when, when it was done, mm -hmm. everybody listening said, wow, you know, that, that was for me. So, you know, we just have to understand how to improve ourselves in that area and then begin to uh, practice, begin, hey, begin to train to get there. So I was listening to a communicator a few weeks ago, and the content I thought was really, really helpful, but I didn't feel a connection with the communicator, and it made it, it, made it more difficult to stay in touch with the content. What would you say, if we're going to connect, what are some of the practical ways that we can improve our connection or maybe even the intangible qualities of, of good connection between a communicator and her or his audience? Well, I, I have a law of connection in the book called uh, Communicators Know It's All About Others. Mm -hmm. So if you were to come into my life, Craig, and say, okay, give, give me the, the one thing, I would say get over yourself. Hmm. Just get over yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for too many communicators, they're they're still concerned about how do I look? Do the people like me? I hope that I hope I go over okay. It's impossible for me to truly give myself to you if I'm concerned about me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I think this is I think this is the big hurdle for successful communication and the reason it's a hurdle is because uh people uh communication isn't easy for people uh, you, we both know the the the, the stat on the, this is a little hard for me to believe but they say that the you know the greatest fear of speaking and you know even greater than death i that's i've never quite bought into that one that just i mean do you want to speak or do you want to but die it, I think, right I think, it I is intimidating yes <laughs> But, but or, or, or who was it? Jerry Seinfeld said that means if you if you go to the funeral, you'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. But <laughs> but but um, but it's 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 a scary thing for people mm -hmm. speaking. It really is communicating, and so therefore, when something uh, makes us nervous and we're fearful of it, there's a real tendency to focus on us. Uh, you know, how can I do this? Hope I do it well. Did I do it well? What should I do next? So I think the hurdle of getting over myself is a pretty high hurdle. I, I don't think it's an easy one. I don't think it's a low one. I think it's one that we knock down a lot, trying, not getting over it. I don't think we're always successful the first time. I wasn't. It took me a dozen years probably and a lot of speaking before I really was freed up of me so that I could be completely focused on you. But I do know this. When you were talking about the person you heard and the content was pretty good, but but you had a hard time getting into it. Well, mm -hmm. you were having a hard time getting into it because he, he or she, I don't know, they weren't getting into you. Mm -hmm. And, and um, the first thing that every communicator has to do 
is be able to convey to the audience or the person they're speaking to across the table that there's great that they value that purpose mm -hmm. person and they're focused on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in I was in um, Northern Ohio doing a large conference, and uh, there, it was one of those speaking conferences. And I was in the green room, and I was about five minutes out. And there were a couple other speakers in the green room, and one guy asked me. He said, "He said, you know, John, he said you're about to go out on stage. What are you thinking about?" And I said, "Well, I'm thinking about the people." Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and said, "You're kidding." And I said, "No, I'm just thinking about the people." And I said, "Well, I thought you'd be thinking about what you're going to say." I said, "Well, I know what I'm going to say." But, but I have to focus on the people. The people will determine how well I say it and how I say it mm -hmm. and when I say it and mm -hmm. why I say it. And I think that's a big mess. We, for the book, when we launched this book a couple of weeks ago, we did a webinar. And so the producers were, you know, of course, developing like they always do a script and everything. And so I sat down with them a couple of days before. And I said, now, I want to start the webinar in the audience, not on the stage. I want to start where the people are. Mm -hmm. I, 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 want, I want every communicator to know it doesn't start when you stand up and speak. It starts by sitting in the seat mm -hmm. of the person that's about to listen to you mm -hmm. and begin to put your life where they are. What are they thinking? What do they need? Why did they come? Why is this important for them to hear? You've just got to put yourself in their shoes, mm -hmm. in their seat, for you to be able to uh, communicate very well to them. So that's where we started the webinar, and, and that's where I start all my communicating, all my speaking, is to the people. And and if I can if I can put the people first, I can promise you what I'm going to communicate is going to do really well. Mm. But if I put me first or the content first, it's not going to sell like it needs to. It's not going to connect like it should. I think that's so powerful, and it's funny, John, it took me maybe years to learn that as a communicator because we are so focused on what do they think of us, and a lot of times when I'm working with a newer communicator, I'll ask a question like, after talk, well, you know, how do you think that connected, and they'll say, well, I liked it, or I, en I enjoy talking for an hour, or whatever, and, and I... And sometimes I won't even be, you know, polite about it. I'd be like, I don't care what you like. I don't care how, how you felt about it. <laughs> That's because, right. But the trajectory is toward us. And so let's say that I can only imagine someone driving their car. They have a presentation coming up at the office or maybe a first speech and they're, they're a little bit nervous. Let's get really, really practical are you saying if we're gonna if we're gonna do a presentation somewhere, we actually go sit in the seat in the room? I mean, what what you know? What do we observe about the room? Let's just talk about all the way down to nitty gritty. What, how much do you care about the environment, and what are you thinking about in order to make a connection with the person sitting on the other side? It's a great question. Well, I, I, there's a law in the book called the law of the thermostat, mm -hmm. and the law of the thermostat just says communicators read the room and change the temperature. Mm -hmm. And um, it begins with going, when I can, I don't get to do this all the time, but when I can, if I'm ahead of where the crowd is, if I'm, you know, I do go out of the audience and, and I sit in the seat. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I started that as a pastor every Sunday. I, I would go and sit in the auditorium for a little bit and think about the needs of the people and why they would be coming today and mm -hmm. And could I uh, connect with them where they are? And and so, uh, it's it's been a practice for a very very long time. It's it's physical for me because if I sit in the if I sit in the seat, it really forces me to think about the other person. But if I'm in a car and I'm getting ready to go do a speech, uh, I've, I've got to ask myself one simple question: What am I doing the speech for? Mm. I, I mean, am I am I doing the speech because I need to do a speech? Am I doing a speech because it's Sunday morning? Do I, I mean? You know, what, what, why am I in this game? And I'm in the game for one reason, that is to add value to people, to help them. And so, therefore, if that's the reason I'm in the game, I better make sure that's where I am, mm -hmm. that I am that I am where they are. And I think, what, you, how many times have I heard a speaker say, that was a bad crowd. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, that's a tough crowd. Mm -hmm. Ooh, mm -hmm. ooh, wow. Right. And, and I want to I want to say to them, I don't know if there is a tough crowd. Right. I, 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 I think there are only crowds with great potential. I think that... Uh, but when I think it was a now, there's crowds are more responsive than others, of course. So, but but it's not a, when it's not about me, then it's not about me. 
In fact, this is kind of fun. In Nashville, there's a, a huge writing company there. The guy that did the writing company uh, got a hold of me and said, I, I built my company off of you uh, 20 years ago. And, and now it's, I think it's the largest writing company in Nashville. Anyway, he gave me an idea. He said, John, why don't you put uh, write songs to that that are about your books? Hmm. And, of course, I said, well, I'm not a songwriter. And, and although I do write poetry, because to all of my children and grandchildren on their birthday, I always send them a, a birthday poem that's about them. And so, so I do kind of like poetry. So, long story short, I went to Nashville, got in the studio, and uh, with with you know real, real real songwriters. I have a statement that says, "When you're at the head of the class, you're in the wrong class." Well, I wasn't at the head of the class in that room. I, hey. I want to just say this. Sometimes when you're at the bottom of the class, you're in the wrong class, too. It's kind of like, what the heck am I doing here? But they were so good to me. And we, we were in there for seven hours, and we wrote a, a, a song. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. And uh, it just came out on uh, Spotify or whatever, wherever you get your music. It's called, and, and, but the title of it is, uh, I have to get over yourself. I got to get over myself. Got to get over myself. And, and the whole thing, and, and I did it out of this book, out of this book. And basically I said, I gave them what I call my credibility journey. How, how did I get to get over myself? And well, you got to find yourself to know yourself, got to know yourself to be yourself. Once you can be yourself, then you won't have to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. And then once you start improving yourself, hopefully you'll get to a mature stage where you can get over yourself. But why do I get over myself so I can give myself away? It's good. And, and in fact, that's the course on this on this mm-hmm. song. It's in, and it's to, I don't know much. It's been out for 10 days, but they've said they've got 30,000 hits on it already. So I think it's doing okay. I don't know. I, I don't know what that, I don't even know what that means. I don't even have Spotify shows you what I know. But but the point that the point being, um, you really can't give yourself to others mm-hmm. until it's really no longer about myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that focus needs to constantly be before you. And I think it takes time to do that. But I think the moment that you can can cross that line, everybody in the audience really begins to know now that mm-hmm. they truly care that you truly care for them. And uh, and I just think I just think that's absolutely essential. You know. Uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You right. know, you know, we're 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 leaders of value who value people and add value to them, and and that that's the great communication message. Once you know I care for you, Craig, honestly, you're really ready to listen. Sure. I, and 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 the subject can be varied. It doesn't really matter. Once the once the communicator is the connector, then all things begin to all things begin to go well. Well, I agree a thousand percent. If if a communicator, they don't have to be polished, they don't have to be powerful. If I if I know they're here to try to add value to me, that's gonna that's gonna win me every single time. And uh, I think that's that's so important. And I want to ask one more question about that, and I'll kind of trail what you said because I, I want to try to keep it really practical as your book is incredibly practical and for our listening audience, when I go to a place, I want to, I call it feel the room, meaning like I want to walk, I want to know, I want to know how the sound carries. And so I'm going to choose a different microphone. If one is stronger, I want to know where I'm going to stand on the stage. I want to sit out. If I can, like you, I want to be in the seat and try to feel what it's like to be sitting where they are and really put a lot of time into that. And then I, w- I want to talk and ask you about one more practical point before we get into some of the technique behind the communication. But let's say someone's about to walk up and they have that panic moment where your heart rate f- beats so loud that you almost feel like they can hear it or see it. Your hands feel weird. You're having a hard time getting your breath. At that moment, you're probably thinking more about you than them, I'm guessing. Yeah. How do you talk yourself through that and what do you do to shake that off so you can get into the talk and be you focused? Well, I think we all have those moments. I mean, even as a veteran communicator, there are times when um, maybe a lot's on the line. Or, or uh, I, I remember I was in a, a wonderful church in Atlanta, and I was I was preaching three times, and I walked out, just getting ready to speak on the second service, Greg, and I looked out. And, it seemed to me like a lot of the audience was familiar, like they were in their first service. So I leaned over to the pastor and I asked him, I said, you know, did, would some of these people 
you know, well, they had been in the first service too. And oh, he said, yeah. He said, a whole bunch of them, want, they like you, so they want to come for the second service. And uh, I'm, I'm one minute away. And I said, well, then do, do I need to pre- preach a different message? And he said, that, he said, that probably be, that would be good. <laughs> I, I literally was walking, walking up in my mind, figuring out what I was going to speak on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was three seconds, four mm-hmm. seconds, completely wet. And I can remember the, the panic and the thrill. I, I, I just thought, I'm not even sure I can pull this off. But if I do pull this off, it's going to be an incredible story to tell. But I think that, that, that I think we need to see humor in our situation. Mm-hmm. The way I do it more than the other way is to just kind of look at myself and say, you know what, you may feel a little bit panicked right now, but there are very few people in the world that really care. Mm-hmm. And that there are very few people in the world that really, really know. And there are very, very few people in the world that are ever going to hear about it. So it's just, you, you, you have, you're, you're living in a very, very, very small world. So, John, just smile and, 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 and get over it. Mm-hmm. I think I think we have a tendency to take what we do too serious. I think we have a tendency to, even worse than what we do is who we are, take it a little bit serious. So so I kind of, I, I, because humor is kind of where I am a lot of things. Anyway, I, I just kind of look at this, the, 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 the kind of the humorous side and say, well, this will be interesting. You know, this hey, this could be my last talk, you know. Maybe maybe they'll maybe this is the day they stone me. I don't know, or throw tomatoes at me. Once you begin to make things comments like that to myself, which they're not going to do any of those things, it begins to reduce the situation down to a place where I think it causes a lot less what panic or nervousness. Just just because if you can make fun of the situation, you almost always do two things. You reduce it and you bring it to its proper sense of light. Mm-hmm. And and uh, being serious about things does exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. It makes it way too big, mm-hmm. way too important, and, and all of a sudden you just think it's bigger than life when mm-hmm. and really it's not. It's yeah. really not. I, I agree. And, and if you can talk yourself to that, it helps a lot. And then if you do, even what I've found is if you say something dumb or make a mistake, if you laugh about it, it doesn't cause them to like you less. Oh, it, love, they love you more. They love you even more. So it's not, we're not shooting for perfection. We're shooting for connection. And people tend to connect with real people, not perfect people. And so I, I appreciate what you're saying. I, I've jumped in on that. Just like if I could just jump on just, I've told people before, I say, you know what? I'm a little bit nervous about this. I, yeah, and, I, I, and, and just, you know, I shouldn't be, but I am. But I'm glad to see you, and you're helping me already. Mm-hmm. And man, I tell you, they just lean in. They mm-hmm. just lean in. They're pulling for you and, and, and wanting. I think it's very wise a lot of times to let the people know exactly how you feel mm-hmm. or where you are. I, I think that's how they identify with you. You know, success is a terrible separator and keeps us from the people. And, but the moment we become honest and vulnerable and authentic, I think it, it, it narrows that gap real. Very, very quick. It's a bridge for sure. It does. Yeah. Yeah. One of the quotes we say a lot on the podcast is people may be impressed with your strengths, but they connect with you through your weaknesses. Yeah. I love and that. So quote. Being, uh, being yourself matters. John, I want to ask you I think law number four jumped out to me as being just very, 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 very important the law of preparation. You cannot deliver what you have not developed. I'd love to hear about, you know, we were talking just minutes before the um, podcast started and you said you came up with 13 new talk ideas, which is blows my mind that you could come up with 13 new talk ideas that fast. Can you talk us through a little bit about from the conception of the idea to the delivery of the message, how can we learn to become more skilled in the preparation process? Well, I, first of all, the first thing I would say about preparation is uh, people say, John, when do you prepare? And my answer is always, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, pre- I, I'm, I prepare all the time. So when I'm reading your book, uh, and, and by the way, I, I, I'm halfway through it uh, the, on, on the power of change. I, and let me just say this: it's good. I, I read all your books, but let me tell you something. It's, it's very, very good. So I'm going to pull you. up something here for you. So. 
So what I have here is my little iPhone, and I have quotes out of your book right here. You know, you have the quote on habits, uh, uh, how habits are born. Uh, you know, by, by cue, by, by by craving, response, reward. Uh, you know, a habit allows uh, good and bad behavior to happen uh, uh, into your brain, uh, uh, helping you with the change. And so, I, I got all these habit quotes and and training quotes, training versus try. And I, I, I whenever I read something, I immediately file it. Mm-hmm. So there, I would be through your book if I just read your book. Mm-hmm. But I don't read your book. I devour your book. I, I consume your book. I, I uh, pull stuff out of your book. So am I preparing a lesson on habits? No. Mm-hmm. But I'm filing quotes on habits. Mm-hmm. Because there'll be a day I do a teaching on habits. And when I get ready to do those teaching on habits, guess what? I've got all kind of material. You see, there are some people, they think of a subject and look for material. Mm-hmm. I do exactly opposite. I look for material and think of a subject. Mm-hmm. Totally opposite. And so I'm consistently uh, preparing. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, what are you preparing for? I, I'm preparing for someday I'm going to give a talk on habits. Uh, are you doing it this week? No, no, I, I don't even have one in the future. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, my, my dad, he was so wise. When he found out at 17 that I was going to speak a lot and enter the ministry, he said, John, keep the well full. Mm-hmm. Never have an empty well. He said, there's no excuse of going to a well that's supposed to hold water and not having water. And why isn't there any water in there? You didn't put the water in it. Mm-hmm. And so you get, you know, be sure that when you go over to the well, you just you got a lot of water pulled the bucket out. So in preparation... I am consistently, consistently, every day, writing, filing, thinking, ideas, uh, and putting them someplace. Because the number one time waster is looking for things that are lost. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we're looking for things that are lost is we didn't have a place to put it the first time. Mm-hmm. So I'm extremely disciplined and organized in everything, in, in material, mm-hmm. in just... Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and I'll pull up, and I'll say, now, look, I'm not texting anybody, but I'm just writing down something you said. So so I'm, I'm not trying to be in the hospital to you. I'm just, I just don't want to lose it, because I have a, if, I, if I don't file it quickly, I lose it, mm-hmm. or if I don't have a way. So so I mark your book. I mark you. I mean, you know, I, I got your book all marked up and, and stuff. That, so what I do is I mark your book. The first time I mark the book, and the second Okay, the first time I mark the book and the second time I read it, the book marks me. Hmm. Because the second time I read your book, all I do is the markings. I don't do anything else. And, and, and I do the markings. I do the filings. I make sure I didn't lose anything. But I read it the second time because if I filed it the first time, the second time when I go back through the markings, markings I'm thinking hmm. on it. The first time I just kind of said, don't want to lose it, so I put it where it needs to be. The second time I'm going through, now I say, there's a reason I didn't want to lose it. It was good. Now, why was it so good? Now I'm going to give some mental thought, mental preparation. And I'll take your stuff and I'll, 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 I'll pull it out and make it better. I, better. It's it like your, your difference between trying and, 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 and training. In fact, I have a couple of my staff here with me. And, and so over a, a lunch yesterday, I was talking to them about what I was learning from you and trying and train, training. One of the ways I really do well is I talk it out. One mm-hmm. of my preparations, if, if I talk it out, um, it, it begins, I begin to say things that evolve, and all of a sudden I think, yeah, that, you know, I, it, just, it just adds. And, and I said, because you said, you know, don't try, train that whole process. And, and all of a sudden I said, I think trying is before commitment. I think training is after commitment. Now, you said that essence in essence in your book. That's what you said. You said it better. But yeah. I said it better. You said it now, better. Now I only said but, but but I only said it better for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, you gave me the thought. Mm-hmm. If you don't if if you don't give me the thought, it doesn't get better. Mm-hmm. So now what I'm doing is I'm standing on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. The moment you gave me the thought, the question is, is there a way to take that thought and either say it in a creative way that people go, Oh my gosh, or build it in such a way that people say that has such maturity and such meat. Because, Craig, I can hear a person speak, and I know exactly how much preparation they do. Mm -hmm. 
and, and a lot of that preparation, and I, now I'm in the, another part of your book that I, I'm taking some side notes on, you know, stuff is stored up before it shows up. Mm-hmm. And you're talking, you loved your part on training when you said, you, you started talking about when, when, when you started doing your, uh, what is it, jitsu or whatever? Jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, whatever that is. Okay, that's obvious. I don't do that. I'm the Pillsbury Doughboy. I don't do that. But anyway, but correct, correct. I mean, and you, and so you, and I love that you said, you know, and the second time, I'm, I'm brand new at this game. I went and then I, I won the third time, I won the fourth time, I won the fifth time. And I'm starting to say, you know, I think, I think he may be doing drugs. I don't, I, you know, he keeps, and then you, you weren't winning. You weren't winning the match. Uh-huh. You were winning because you were learning something every time you right. got in a match yep. that made you better. And, and and then you began to say, I'm winning them when I'm doing the habits. When mm-hmm. I'm doing the habits, I'm winning. And all of a sudden, I thought, okay, what he's doing all these times is he's storing it up. Mm-hmm. It isn't showing up at all. Mm-hmm. You didn't win. In fact, you're on the mat. You're yelling uncle. But, you, but it was getting stored up. Mm-hmm. That's preparation. And I think sometimes we don't think preparation happens unless it shows up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big miss for us. I, I value the stored up. In fact, here's what I say. If it's not stored up well, it won't show up well. Right. So I, when something shows up that hasn't been stored up, it shows up pretty quick that the mm-hmm. person hasn't given it much thought. They haven't worked it. So in preparation, I prepare all the time. When, when I, was, I started off as a pastor in a little country church, and, and probably within three months I realized that these precious, beautiful, wonderful, salt-of-the-earth farmers— would be satisfied with any message I preached. I, I mean, they just loved me, and that was wonderful, Pastor. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. And then all of a sudden, I got into this temptation. I don't have to work hard on my message. Hmm. I can spend a couple of hours, get a couple of scriptures, tell a story or two. Everybody's happy. And I, I, I came to this place, Craig, where I had to ask myself, am I going to wing it or work for it? Mm-hmm. And it took me a couple months I, I had a, I had a harder time than I should have on that because I I I knew I could get by with here's what here when you know that you can get by with winging it the temptation becomes very big mm-hmm. now if I know I'm going to wing it I'm going to flunk the test then winging it is no temptation but but when I can wing it and pass then then all of a sudden I think winging it's not so bad well I made the decision to write my sermons out when I was 22 years of age in a little country church and work for it. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that writing that the discipline of writing my messages out helped me not only do better messages, but it helped me learn to write. And, and, and so I worked for it. I worked for it. And here's the difference. If you're gifted and you wing it, and you don't really prepare, mm-hmm. you can get into the top 20% if you're gifted. But if you're gifted and you work for it, you can get into the top 2%. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The top 2% owns the world. Not the top 20. 20%, top 20% makes a good living. Top 2%, they own the world. Mm-hmm. So if you, so in our giftedness, it's kind of interesting. In our giftedness, there's a tendency for us to want to wing it because we get by with it. But if we'll work for it, that return is just humongous in our life. So, so I prepare every day. I prepare. I'm, I'm preparing and filing and, and thinking and creating and developing and, 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 and building because there's going to be a day when I'm going to want that. And, and it, it, I've already stored it up and not pulling it out. And it be, you know, so some, when somebody says, how, you know, how long did it take you to write the book? 25, 30 years, you know? Mm-hmm. And how long did it take you to do this sermon? 25, 30 years, 40 years. It's taken me a long time because I understand storing up before showing up, mm-hmm. which is all part of preparation. Well, it works, and when you know, if people are listening right now and thinking, well, does, would he really work on it all the time? I would just say, from my perspective, I absolutely believe it and think that any good communicator always has his or her antennas up looking always. for ideas, looking for illustrations, looking for ways to make emotional connections, looking for ways to make applications. Great. I stop your podcast a minimum. Of eight times every time I hear you. Hmm. I, I've never heard a podcast that you've given that I haven't put you on hold at least eight times. Why? Because you just said something 
I have got to get put in my files or that I got to put in my idea file or I got to go over there, put it in my thinking corner to come back. I, I've never listened to you straight through. I, I don't even know how to listen to you straight through. If you were well, I, if you weren't any good, I could listen to you straight through. But if you weren't any good, I wouldn't listen to you. But 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 I mean, the point being, I stop all the time because I don't want to miss what you just said or build on what you said. Or I, I've got at least file, so I'll file it, then turn you back on. You know, walk a little bit more. Stop and, 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 and file it. And, and I, I, it's, it's just huge because of that very thing. There is, if I have a conversation with anybody and I don't pull my iPhone out and ask them to stop for a moment, that other person needs to realize that wasn't a good conversation. <laughs> I, I walked away with nothing. So anyway, enough of that. Yeah, well, that's, I think it is really worth highlighting that you know we look at you and say you are you are John Maxwell, you know the the premier speaker, communicator, teacher on leadership in the world today. And I, I think what I want our audience to hear is you are not that by accident. You're not that by talent alone. You're not that but because of natural gifts. You're not that because of where you're born, that you're working at it, developing it, crafting it, honing it, diving into it, internalizing it, incorporating it, on and on and on and on and on. And it's, a, it's in many ways a full-time job to take in the world, look for lessons, and learn how to bring it about. And I mean, I, I want to talk about all your laws, and I want to say it again just in case someone didn't catch it the first time, hold up the book, The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. Apply them and make the most of your message. Get this book, get this book, get this book. It's going to change your communication. A couple of the things that I, I just don't even know how to get into all of them, but I want to highlight number five, the law of collaboration. Some of your best thinking will be done with others. You said that, even you illustrated it when you're talking about you like to talk your ideas out. And for me, one of the best things to do is to have other people in the room in the preparation process to talk it out. And then they'll say things that will spark ideas. And then your law of simplicity, law number 10, communicators take something complicated and make it simple. If there's one thing that stands out um, I think of, of all of the uh, traits in your communication that I admire is I always walk away thinking that was brilliance made simple. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I can, does. I can, it's like PhD material put on the bottom shelf that anybody can access. And that's not easy to do. That's what that is incredibly <clears throat> um, complicated to make a complicated truth simple. Talk us through that. What's the difference between simplistic, complex, and simple when we're communicating a message? First of all, if they if they don't understand it, why did you say it? And in fact, whenever I hear a communicator always explain explaining what they just said, I always want to roll up my hand and just say, "Why didn't you just say the explanation? Why didn't you do the last sentence first, and we wouldn't have heard the other three? And um, you know, I wasn't trained to be simple as a communicator, mm-hmm. so it's it, it's it's a hard process. It's not it isn't easy. Um, I was trained in in college, and and my classes, uh, we 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 basically um, ignored simplicity. I, I won the senior when I was a senior in, in college as a theologue. I won the uh, senior speaker award or whatever. And, and my the title of my message, Craig, was the incompatibility of sin and sonship. Well, that tells <laughs> okay. you that you're already snickering. It says everything you want to know, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, who in the heck can figure out what the incompatibility of sin and sonship was? But I, but I, the reason I, and the reason I got the award is I, I did the sermon for the professors. Hmm. I didn't do it for the students. Were all howling because they knew that wasn't how I talked. They were, you know. But and so I just went in on the incompatibility of sin. You know, I I mean I could have looked at the kids and said sin less. You know what I mean? <laughs> and could got on on with the point. But what I realized is is the fact that I was trained. I was trained not to give personal illustrations. Mm. You know, because that would be too much about yourself. Mm-hmm. So you always give a and, and and so I tried all this stuff that that I was taught the first year that I was got to practice a lot as a pastor. And I found it didn't work. So, so okay. Now, what am I? What what am I going to do? Well, I'm I'm with farmers, and and, and farmers, 
I have to have simple. And so I, I would, I would, I literally went down and I, I had a guy named Claude. I had a guy named Benny. I had a few people that I would throw my ideas around with them and, 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 and just kind of work them until Claude and Benny lights would come on and, and or they would say something that was very simple and some their farmers sometimes incredibly crude. It was, it was a shock for me. But anyway, the whole point of it was I began to, I began to understand that I had to speak on their level. Mm-hmm. Then when I went to California, it was the going to California was a beautiful thing for me as a pastor because those people weren't church. They could care less. They didn't have any kind of back, biblical background. In fact, they were so bad that I got everybody the same Bible. This was before we had all the visual aids and et cetera. So I could tell them what page to turn to because I got tired of them trying to, trying to find, you know, trying to find Nehemiah or whatever. I mean, it, 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 you know, how long are we going to wait before we can get there? So, so I, I, I very quickly began to ask myself and, and sit again in the pew and, and say, what, what do they need? And what do they and, and how do they need to, to hear it so that they can connect with it? And I began to hear compliments of, of people that would say, you know, you don't sound like a pastor. And I, I'm not trying to I, that that I don't want to say that in a wrong light, but 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 I considered that a compliment because I realized now I was starting, and then I started sitting down mm. so that I would be more conversational. I, mm. Because I found that when I stood, I in the beginning I was a little too passionate, a little bit just. I kind of was a little bit of an overkill speaker. And, mm. you know, I kind of overwhelmed people. They kind of go, oh, whoa, my gosh, here he comes. You know, here comes the fire hydrant. And, and I found that when I would sit, it would make me conversational with people mm-hmm. much more than, than when I would stand. So I just began to do specific things that allowed me to know that I was doing well and then that I, that I was connecting with people. But, but in the beginning, I, I could still remember in the beginning, I went to uh, the pulpit with my Greek New Testament because I took Greek. And I, I, I mean, I read, I mean, why does a farmer care that I have a Greek New Testament? I mean, I was so stupid. Mm-hmm. I was so far off. I was so non-connected. And the reason I like to say those illustrations is for people to understand how bad I was. Mm-hmm. My great, if somebody would say, I get one wish, I know what my wish would be. I would wish people could see me 50 years ago. <laughs> I wasn't any good. Mm. I would greatly encourage people. If people heard me communicate 50 years mm-hmm. ago, if people saw me lead 50 years ago, honestly, they would be greatly encouraged mm-hmm. because I wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be humble. I wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. I think that's the testimony mm-hmm. to growth and preparation and discipline in your life to make the needed changes. Mm-hmm. And any person, I think any person can have greatness within them, but greatness doesn't come out, mm-hmm. has to be worked out. Right. Great, great, greatness doesn't, you know, somebody said, well, I'm just waiting for greatness to evolve. It isn't going to evolve. You got to chisel them, work at it. You got to pull it out. You got to be very intentional in, in how you do it and what you do. And uh, so in the area of being simple and, 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 and uh, keep it, I was doing an interview one time, and, and, the, and the, the TV guy said, I read your books, and, they're, and he said it in constant way. He said, I read your books, and they're quite simple. And I, I said, yeah, I said, I work hard to get them, mm-hmm. get them there okay. for everybody to understand. But then I looked at him, I said, but they aren't simple to apply, are they? Mm-hmm. And, and, but here's what I know. What do I want the people to know? What do I want the people to do? Mm-hmm. You know that. I know that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I... I want what do I want them to know what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. If I want them to know something, do something, it has to always be something that they can understand. If they can't understand it, we've lost the battle. Right. And I, w- I want to highlight that, John, because it's so important. A lot of communicators start with like just what I want them to know. And so it's just a communication yeah. of information. You have in law number 16, it's called the law of results. The greatest success is communication in action. And what you want to do is you want to create a bridge to action. So you don't just want them to know something, but you want them to do something. And that's really important. My pastor used to always say, before you preach a message, ask, so what? 
meaning I just don't want to hear information. Now, what do I do with it? And I so, like it. So you said, and I'm going to add one thing to it. You said what I want them to know, what I want them to do. What I added to that, what I learned from you um, and from others is the know and the do. I add feel to it. And so I teach our communicators what I want them to know, what I want them to feel, and what I want them to do. And the reason I want them to feel something is because knowledge alone doesn't lead to action, but emotion leads to action. You have to feel something. And so I'd love for you to comment a little bit about that. And what I, I mean, every time, John, I hear you, I want to run through a wall with excitement and I've got a new tool to use. What goes through your mind to make a talk actionable? The law of results, number 16, the greatest success in communication is action. What do you do to create the ability for me to apply what you're teaching and help motivate me to do it? In one of my laws, I talk about, uh, in, 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 I think it's the law of preparation. I talk about best picture and big picture. And, and the best or the best message and big message. The best message is the message I'm preaching right now. I call it my best because I'm giving it my best shot. Mm-hmm. It certainly can improve, but it's my best now. I, I just I describe my best as the best I can do right at this moment. It's mm-hmm. the best. It's all I can do. It's the best I can do. It doesn't mean it won't get better, but it's the best right now. Tomorrow, that best is the floor that I build on to make it better. So so but but that's my best message. But there's a there's a big message I preach, and this is one of my favorite parts of the book. I talk about uh, the big message is your DNA as a communicator. It's uh, the best message they're taking notes on because that's the message they're hearing, but it's it's the big message that goes to that heart. Mm-hmm. And there are four questions you ask yourself in that, and that is, what do I want them to see? What do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? And what do I want them to do? Mm-hmm. And what do I want them to see? My big message, my DNA, when you hear me communicate, I'm a possibility communicator. So I want what I, what I want them to see is possibility. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I lift the lid. I, no matter where they are, I want them when they walk out to see a little higher, see a little farther. Mm-hmm. That's just who I, I want them to see possible. So I'm a possibility communicator. That's part of the Maxwell DNA. What I want them to know is that I value them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's essential to me. I want them to, and especially in the world that I communicate uh, with that is not a, always a faith world. Most times it's not a faith world. I want them to know how much I value them because that's the key to the relationship that allows you to share your faith down the road. So I, I want them to see their possibilities. I want them to feel that they that I value them. And, and then, or, and then I, what I want them to know is I want them to I want them to see their possibilities. I want them to know their value. What I want them to feel is empowered. Mm, good. I want them I want them to feel that what I just shared with them they can go do. If I says if I if I communicate something to people and they walk out and they say that's just a, he, I don't want them to walk out and say man John's amazing. Look what that guy can do. That doesn't help him. It only helps them if they look and say, I think I'm amazing mm-hmm. and I can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want them to feel empowered as they leave that, okay, great, they have that. And then, then what I want them to do is I want them to uh, apply to their life and then multiply it in others. That, that, that's what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. So I would never consider any communication effective unless it brought a person to action. Um, I've I've never no, I've never think of it this way. There is no success without action. None. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so when people talk about success, you, I've never known a person who didn't act but was successful, or mm-hmm. you know, they thought but they didn't act. And I mean, you have to. There, there comes a time when you have to do it. And so, my passion to get people to do it is really high. Mm-hmm. And and to, to me, the test of did I communicate well wasn't whether they liked it. The test of my communication is when they finished, they did something about it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a, that's a good message. A great message is when they did something about it and they were so motivated, they got someone else to do about it. Now, now that, that message has legs. So I can't imagine a scenario where I would communicate without anticipating and showing a plan of action 
for them to do something about what I communicate. I, w- wouldn't it be highly frustrating to have knowledge and then not know to, what to do with that knowledge? I, to me, that's kind of leaving them hanging out there. So, I, you know, one of the things I did learn in college is preach for a verdict. You know, preach for a verdict. Mm-hmm. You're going after some. So every time I communicate, I'm going after some seeable action in a person's life that I can walk away quite assured that they did something about what I talked about. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and I'm, I want to ask you two more questions. One is going to be a very personal ask to our audience. And then the second one, I'm going to ask you to tell us where we can find out more about you. But I'm going to t- say it again. It's the 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. John's written over 100 books. And I can I can go through and talk about individual chapters, individual quotes that have helped change the trajectory of my leadership. And this is one of those books. In it, John, you talked about this one, the law of the change up, the sameness is the death of communication. And I know you talk a lot about, I mean, varying speed, tone, all this kind of stuff. One of the ways I teach our communicators this is I'll tell them that the hat you wear determines the emotion they feel. You can put on a pastor's hat, or you can say, hey, as one parent to another parent, you put on a parent hat. You can say, you can put on a friend hat. Hey, I know what you're going through. And as a friend, I would tell you this. You can put on the boss hat. You know, you put the, you can put, you can put on the coach hat. There's all these different hats. You said something earlier. You'll sit down sometimes because you're more conversational. These are all different approaches to help us connect and move us to action. I would like for you, if you wouldn't mind, to put on whatever hat you would choose, and you can tell us what hat that is. And I want you to talk directly to our audience, and I want you to I want you to feel what they feel right now. We've got a stay at home mom who's starting a business and feels overwhelmed, uh, and she as as she's starting to communicate with her team, recruit volunteers, recruit recruit teams members, whatever. You've got a seasoned youth pastor who feels ineffective connecting with teenagers. You've got a salesperson that doesn't feel very effective in communicating. You've got someone who needs to lead up to a boss and wants to communicate. Put on some hat and talk to us and tell us we can get better. The most you-centered message. I want, I want them to feel it right now. They're driving. They're working out. I want them to feel from one of the best communicators on the planet just how possible it is for them to become great. Well, I put on my friend hats, what I put on. Uh, I mean, you, you gave me several scenarios, but all the scenarios had something in common and that it was life was not going well for them. Mm-hmm. It was getting a little difficult. The, the hill was a little higher than what they thought they'd have to climb. Mm-hmm. So for you, my friend, what, what I would say, first of all, is I've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say I've been there... Uh, I've had a lot more losses than I've had wins. I've had a lot more misses than I've had hits. And uh, I can feel for where you are. Because there were times when I looked at myself and I thought, wow, is there hope and how the heck am I going to get some help? And and, and they weren't the same. I, I wanted to have hope that tomorrow would get better, but I had to have somebody come along and help me to make it better because I didn't know what steps to take it would be next. So the first thing I want you to know is, is, is I've been there. The second thing I want you to know is that there is hope and help. Hope is in you. Help is from others, probably. Hope is in you having a sense to believe, if you're a person of faith, that God's going to help you and going to give you that strength. But hope is also within yourself. It is allowing yourself to believe that you can do better and be better, have more than you have today. And, and, it, and it, the self-belief is pretty important, but the, but the, but the feeder of self-belief is hope. So I, I just want you to know that you have a reason to hope because there have been people in worse situations than yours that have climbed out of that pit and they've done very well. There is help. There is help for you. But you do not get help by hoping for it. You get help by going looking for it. Hmm. This is where you have to take action. Help doesn't always find you. Help doesn't always come to you. Sometimes you have to be uh, willing to ask for help. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to go to where people are 
and, and tell them what you need and, and have a sense of swallowing pride and say, I, I just feel that if, if, if you could just give me a couple of thoughts or ideas or a helping hand for a very short time, I, I could make it, but you, but you need help. I would also want you to know very, very much that I and my, myself personally have, have discovered that the moment I want to be different, God sends me people to make a difference mm -hmm. and situations that make a difference and uh, ideas that make a difference and opportunities that make a difference. But that that is only taken by action. In fact, I have a, a, a little lesson called Action Attraction. And the lesson just very simply says, the moment I know what I want to accomplish and I start moving, then all of a sudden, the things that I'm looking for begin to appear. Mm -hmm. But they don't appear while I sit. They appear while I move. And this is the big miss. Because when we're discouraged and depressed, there's a tendency for us to hold and, and not do anything. And, 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 and that's, that's not going to get it. We, action creates the attraction. Mm -hmm. When I move, then the resources move. But I have to move first. And some people say, well, I would move, but I don't see any resources. I mm -hmm. say you don't see any resources because you don't move. Mm -hmm. and, and so the action begins to attract the right people to you. And when they come, become a student and, st and start trying, start trying, start trying, mm -hmm. and, and uh, begin, to, begin to make those attempts. You know, trying is good as, as long as it's not an excuse to stop. Try, I, I think I've tried a lot of things to find out what I needed to do so that I could then train for it. Mm -hmm. but, but so I, I, just, I would just say, for you, start trying, attempt. Uh, do some of the things that people uh, suggest that you do to get yourself out of that situation. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I would encourage you greatly to, if you're not a person of faith, I honestly, Craig, I, I sometimes wonder how people who don't have a, a relationship with God, I, I, it's just hard for me to understand how they ever can get to where they really want to go because of all the assets that come with Christian living and, and the, the blessings that come with it, that it gets, to be, it gets to be pretty good. So I would hope that you would also begin to trust God to help you with some of those resources that you need in your life. I want to say thank you for that encouragement to our community. I, I love our community so much. And I hope, I just say to those of you listening, I hope you feel that. I hope you feel my love for you. And, and John, just John loves everybody he comes in contact with. And I want to just wrap back on what you just did there. And I want to tell our community what you did that made what you did effective. John put on his friend hat. He called you early on my friend. And then, then he connected with you, identified. He said, the hill you're climbing feels higher than you expected. And he says, I've been there. So the first thing he did is he made a connection. Then he gave you something that was tangible, something you could hold on to. There's hope in you and help from others. That's something I can remember. It's something that I feel. Um, then you were said, you've got to go look for it. Then you created action. You gave us permission and encouraged us to ask for help. Then what I love is you made it personal again in there midway through. You said, what I want you to know, and so it's a you-oriented message the whole time. You weren't talking about yourself. You were talking about your listener. And then you started to build faith. First of all, a normal faith that, that if you want something different, you got to go get it. And you built this faith that it was possible. Then you built my faith by saying that you have to act first, and you're creating action and then you save the part about faith in God all the way to the very end of the podcast after you'd built credibility with people and you just almost can't spend a whole day with John without him sharing his faith. But you did it at a time when we had, maybe if we weren't a person of faith, you'd added value to us. We liked you and you had some credibility and then you shared the real hope that you have, which is um, in Jesus and in a way that made a difference. So that's what John just did. It was natural to him after years of practice, but that's why you need to get the 16 undeniable laws of communication. Uh, John, thank you a million times over for your friendship, uh, your mentorship, your example. We've got a lot of people who'd probably love to find more of your resources. What's the best way to keep growing from what you have to offer? 
Well, they can just go to the web web page, you know, Maxwell, you know, f- for the book uh, on the pre-order, it was go to maxwellleadership.myshopify.com, but that sounds way too complicated to mm. me. I mean, dear Lord, it's got to be said. So just go to the Maxwell Leadership app, uh, go there or go to the web page, Maxwell page. I mean, you'll get it. Ma- I mean, Maxwell I- Leadership app. And don't forget, John, go to Spotify and oh, get yeah, the song, song, Get Over get Yourself. Over get over get myself. myself. Come on, get over myself. You got to know yourself, grow yourself, get over yourself. I don't know if I, I'm gonna, I have not heard the song yet, but we're going there. John, thanks so much, and thank you to our, our leadership community. We love you, value you. If this is helpful to you, we'd love for you to share the content. Tag John Maxwell, tag me, and we may repost you. Uh, if, it's, if you have time, leave a comment. We work hard to add value to your um, leadership, and if you can rate or review the content, that is a very real gift to us. And we'll join you again on the first Thursday of every month. John will be there listening. It blows me away. My hero would listen to the content. And uh, the book is The 16 Undeniable Laws of Communication. Apply them uh, and make the most of your message. Get John's book. Learn from him. We'll see you next time. Keep growing because we know that everyone wins when the leader gets better.